Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. In our last episode, we began our examination of defense attorney Mark Richards' opening statement, focusing on his setting the scene for the jury of downtown Kenosha immediately before the shootings. In today's episode, we continue our look at Richards' opening as he lays the groundwork for his argument that Kyle Rittenhouse was acting in self-defense each time he fired his semi-automatic rifle. We'll get into all of that right after the break. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. As we noted in our previous episode, defense attorney Mark Richards began his opening statement by introducing pieces of audiovisual evidence collected from the scene of the shootings. Richards wove these photos and video clips into his descriptions of the principal players in this trial. As he continues his opening, Richards paints Kyle Rittenhouse as a community-minded individual with deep roots in the city who arrived in downtown Kenosha on the night of August 25, 2020, with the singular aim of protecting local businesses and serving as a medic to those in need. Perhaps most significantly, Richards cast Rittenhouse as someone who had no intent of engaging in violence, but instead was swept into a scene of chaos and terror surrounded by dangerous and volatile people. As Richards transitions into his description of what happened after police began to shepherd protesters south on Sheridan Road in Kenosha towards 60th Street, he continues his deft use of audiovisual material aimed at drawing the jury into the defense's version of events. Kyle, an individual by the name of Ryan Balch, followed by Richard McGinnis, go down there, Sheridan Road. Sheridan Road is a main street that runs north and south in Kenosha. The police are escorting the crowd south, and their line has just passed the car source that Rittenhouse says he was intending to protect. As Richard shows video of the events he describes, we see that Rittenhouse has crossed over the police line and walks among the protesters. And at 11.40, they have a conversation yelling medic. And you'll see the videotape of this event. Kyle's got his medical bag, his gun, and he comes upon these three individuals. And the individual in the yellow pants accuses Kyle Rittenhouse of pointing a laser sight from a gun at him. Kyle shrugs it off, does not want confrontation with these individuals, does not point his firearm at them, and he leaves. Why does he leave? Because he doesn't want trouble. These are the three individuals who are with yellow pants. One individual is carrying a noose. I don't know what that's for. The other individual, the testimony will be from Kyle Rittenhouse and Richie McGinnis, had rocks in his hands. And then the blue-shirted individual was carrying a 9 millimeter firearm. Richard McGinnis will tell you 
about the marauding nature of these individuals. He was so intimidated by them after Kyle walked away that he had to give up two white claws to him to settle him down and some cigarettes so that he would be able to leave them. Richards uses the images and sound of a volatile situation captured on video by Richard McGinnis to counter the prosecution argument that Rittenhouse sought confrontation on the night of August 25th, 2020. Kyle, from there, realizes he's been separated from Mr. Balch. He goes over to the ultimate gas station looking for Mr. Balch and is unable to find him. What happens next is he attempts to get back to car source at 59th and Sheridan Road. This is Kyle on the right coming into the frame. let him pass. He goes back to the ultimate gas station and a few minutes later at approximately 11.45 he receives a phone call from Dominic Black. Dominic Black informs him, the evidence will show, that they're breaking windows and starting fires down at Car Source 3. Go and stop. He asks an individual for a fire extinguisher and ask the individual to go down to car source three with him. The individual gives him the fire extinguisher, but does not go with him. And Kyle heads down to car source three. Richards has guided the jury to view Kyle Rittenhouse as someone avoiding confrontation and heading into the chaos of the crowd only to help protect the third car source farther south on Sheridan Road. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. As Mark Richards moves on to the next piece of video evidence, he seeks to keep the jury's focus on elements which Kyle Rittenhouse could have legitimately perceived as threats. He also asserts that, contrary to the prosecution's argument, at nearly every critical moment, Rittenhouse sought to withdraw from confrontation. He doesn't know that Mr. Rosenbaum is down there. He's been asked to go down there by Nick Smith. He heads down Sheridan, from 60th, walking to Sheridan and 63rd, where the car source is. That's a picture of him from a video leaving the car source at 11.46 p.m. approximately. He has his firearm, and he has, as you can see in his other hand, a fire extinguisher to put out the picture, the fires and that are being started down there. This 
is an aerial photograph that the state has referred to in its opening. And it's actually started to roll. And you'll see circles in here. There's Kelly Zeminski in the green um, lettering. And that's a thermal image, excuse me. You see Mr. Rosenbaum come around from hiding in the cars, beginning to chase my client. You'll see the flash of the firearm from Mr. Zabinski, and you'll see the flashes of his first shots. I am not responsible for cutting this video. I don't know how it got the way it did chopped up. That's the FBI up in the plane that took this video. But it's very telling because you'll see this a hundred times. I'm not going to go through it again for an opening, but you'll see it that the individuals are heading down Sheridan Road, and you'll see this Mr. McGinnis is now over here, go and hike right in this location. You'll see Kyle come into this area and pause where Mr. and Mrs. Zeminski are, and you'll see in this car the fire start. See how it's bright. And they go, Kyle runs in this direction, trying to get away from Mr. Rosebaum. Ladies and gentlemen, Kyle Rittenhouse is under no obligation whatsoever to retreat from Mr. Rosen. He does. He runs away from him because he doesn't want a confrontation. He doesn't want trouble, which makes no sense with what the state says about him hunting or chasing him down. He's trying to get away from the individual. You'll hear testimony, not just from Kyle Rittenhouse, but Balch, Mr. Balch, about Joseph Rosenbaum stating to Kyle and to Ryan Balch in each other's presence, if I get either of you two alone, I'm going to kill you. Flat out threats to murder. Here, Richards brings up the first piece of evidence that Joseph Rosenbaum threatened to kill Kyle Rittenhouse. This is a key moment in the Rittenhouse self-defense argument, and so we are going to pause to examine the Wisconsin self-defense law. Paraphrased, the law says that a person can threaten or use force against another person if he or she reasonably believes the other person is engaged in unlawful interference with himself or herself. The person under threat may only threaten or use a level of force that he or she reasonably believes is necessary to prevent or terminate the interference, and can only use deadly force if he or she reasonably believes such force is necessary to prevent imminent death or great bodily harm to himself or herself. So, when Mark Richards invokes Joseph Rosenbaum's initial threat to kill Kyle Rittenhouse, he is beginning to plant in the minds of the jurors that based on this and other experiences on that night, Kyle Rittenhouse was in reasonable fear of imminent death or great bodily harm. Richards continues. When Mr. Rosenbaum shot in the car source lot three, there's been a gunshot behind Kyle he turns to address Mr. Rosenbaum with his firearm. Mr. Rosenbaum is not deterred. He continues to run. And you'll see that on numerous videos, closing the distance. Mr. Rosenbaum could have stopped at any time. Mr. Rosenbaum is wearing that maroon shirt on his face 
as a mask, covering up his identity because he wants to steal my client's firearm and use it against him to carry out the threat he had made earlier. That isn't just the word of Kyle Rittenhouse made up after the fact. You'll hear the testimony of Richie McGinnis, who was close that evening. He was following behind them. You'll see him on the video. He'll testify to you in court. He did not feel endangered. He was doing his job. He will testify that Joseph Rosenbaum let out, as he put it, one of the scariest screams I ever heard, yelling, fuck you, and dove for Kyle Rittenhouse's gun. Kyle Rittenhouse fires. He fires four shots at Joseph Rosenbaum. The state wishes to slow everything down into a microsecond. Those four shots, the evidence will show, took 0.76 of a second, 76 hundredths of a second from first shot to last shot. Those shots will be put, those measurements will be put forth by Dr. John Black, who's a certified video examiner. He breaks every frame down. He knows how much each frame takes. Richards alludes to the upcoming testimony of use of force expert, Dr. John Black. Among the reasons that Black's testimony will be offered is to counter the prosecution's assertion that Kyle Rittenhouse purposefully shot Joseph Rosenbaum in the back. Counts the frames and he comes up with that time. Next photograph, 1148, that's card source three. You see an individual right here with his hand in the air. The evidence will show that's Mr. Zeminski. This is Mr. Rosenbaum in full stride running after Kyle Rittenhouse. This is still from a video. You'll see a lot of videos leading up to this. You'll see a video, I believe it's from Corey Elijah, where he's confronted by Mr. Rosenbaum. And he doesn't want a confrontation. And he goes, you'll hear it on the video. The video is not showing that confrontation. But you hear Kyle's voice, and he goes, friendly, friendly, friendly. He thinks, because he's giving medical attention, helping people out, that people don't have an animosity against him. He's wrong. But that's the belief in his head, and Mr. Rosenbaum chooses after him. Again, Richards presents Rittenhouse as a peacemaker, not someone out to create conflict. He then anticipates the state's argument. And I believe that the state will want to say, why did he go down there? He went down there because Nick Smith asked it. Why didn't he keep running? One, you don't have to run. But two, I'll show you a video from 63rd looking back onto the car source lot taken by an individual who will testify and his daughter. Next photograph. Circled again, Zeminski with the arm up, Rosenbaum in full stride chasing, and an arrow pointing to Kyle. This is the video from 63rd and Sheridan Road. 
The video and audio that Richards plays was recorded by a protester on the night of the shootings. You'll see that whole video during the trial. The individuals were at Car Source, the rioters, destroying all of those vehicles. And as Kyle was running from Mr. Rosenbaum, he did not want to run into those rioters who were destroying all of that property that did not belong to them. You hear the first gunshot, the evidence will show Mr. Zeminski. You hear four shots in quick succession, the evidence will show that is Kyle firing at Mr. Rosenbaum as he's trying to take Kyle's weapon from him to use against him. You hear three more shots in quick succession. I don't think the government will have any dispute. I don't think the evidence will dispute. Those three shots are from another person who's in the car source lot firing for some reason. He was never identified, never arrested. This will show Kyle running back to the scene of the shooting. It will show, I think the evidence will show, why Kyle Rittenhouse didn't stay and render aid for Mr. Rosenbaum. Not that he's under any obligation to do that, but sometimes discretion is the better part of valor. Again, Richard seizes the narrative and weaves the power of the chaotic audiovisual material with Kyle Rittenhouse's version of events. The purpose is clear. Richards guides the jurors to empathize with Rittenhouse, to whom he always refers by the familiar Kyle. The individuals who are yelling, he just shot him, shoot him, and you can see one of them with a gun, Mr. and Mrs. Zeminski. He begins running down Sheridan Road. He's not taking his gun. He's not threatening anyone as he's running down Sheridan Road. He's running in a southerly, excuse me, I always get my directions confused, a northerly direction from 63rd towards 60th. What is at 60th? The evidence will show that is where law enforcement is, and that's where somebody would run to be protected from a mob that wants to kill him. We are going to pause our examination of Richard's opening statement here, and in our next episode, we will continue with our look at the defense narrative for Rittenhouse's shootings of Anthony Huber and Gage Grosskreutz. And so, that concludes this episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
You can find more information about this trial at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. This episode was written by Amalia Mathewson. It was co-produced by Chris Taracone and Aaron Karenik. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. The episode was edited by Chris Taracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Trial audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse.